Hey, well, good afternoon. You all doing well? Good, good to see you all. All right, well, this, we're going to get stuck in. Four years, though. Four years. Okay. Happy birthday, four years. That's pretty impressive. It really is. Good on you guys. You've got to keep going. Wow, how exciting. Uh, it really is. And thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, this little spell that we're in. Thanks for letting me speak into this idea of reigniting things that God is putting on your, on your heart as a church. That's exciting. Reigniting, re, to light on fire again, to begin to burn again, to give new life or energy, to catch fire. Who wants to catch fire for God and with God? Come on, somebody. I want to I wanna burn stuff. I mean, I, well, not burn stuff. I'm going to burn. <laughs> yeah, let's burn the hotel. Uh, you know, let's not do that at all. Um, you know, but it is. I love that story in, in the Old Testament where the where the, the, the priests were, were putting on, you know, God lit the fire and the, and all the priests had to do was to keep putting on the fuel. And that phenomenal so all you gotta do is keep putting on fuel and God'll keep burning. Amen. So keep feeding your faith. God will let the thing on fire. Just anyway, just keep her lit. Um, that's another talk for another day. I want to talk today about reigniting harmony. Okay. I want to talk about unity and the things that a united life enjoys. Okay. And so, as I said in the first service, very often when a guest speaker comes along to talk about unity, you know, I've sat in congregations when someone comes in to talk about unity, and I've wondered, is is there a problem? Are we not united in this place, or what, what's happening? Not at all. Uh, John F.K., I think, was attributed to this saying, and it says, the best time to fix the hole in the roof is when the sun is shining. In other words, don't wait till there's rain coming, there's a hole in it leaking everywhere, and then fix it. Why don't you build from strength? And so you guys are a healthy church. You're a good, strong church. You're a church on the move. It's well-led, well-prayed in. You're blessed. It's a great church. I love this church. I drive home with my family, and I ring them and say, if I lived in Dublin, this is the church I would go to. Don't tell anybody else. I'm telling you, it's, it's phenomenal. You guys are part of something really significant. And, uh, and so when I talk about unity and harmony today, it's building on the unity you have. Amen. It's building on the strength you have as a local church so that you can go forward together in incredible peace and aplomb. Okay, so I want to show you, just to start off, what I mean by unity. What does unity look like? What does it sound like? What even does it feel like, okay? And to help me, I've enlisted the YouTube video with the people called the Piano Guys. Anyone ever heard of the Piano Guys? Okay, well, look, this, you're going to watch a little clip, and these guys are playing the song by One Direction. What's it called again? You don't know you're beautiful, that one? You don't know you're beautiful. That. No, no, I won't even sing a bar. No, no, I can talk but not sing. As the man says, the only singer in our house is a sewing machine. Okay, <laughs> boom, -tsh. Let's watch the video. All right, enough of that.
<laughs> Fantastic. Come on, Blake. There we go. Get on there. This for me, everybody, it's a br- well, it's just brilliant in itself. Never mind the illustration it comes alive with. Uh, but for me, this is what unity looks like, harmony sounds like. Why? Because here we have five men playing a different part on the same instrument, all committed to one direction. And that's, and that's, that's unity right there. That's what, it doesn't matter what the instrument is, the instrument can be your marriage, it can be the church, it can be the job you have, it can be as a parent, whatever it is, but when we all play our role on the one instrument and we are committed to one direction, going in the same direction, we're going to sound like that in Jesus' name, amen? This is what the Bible has to say in Psalm 133, it'll kind of be our launch text today, but let's read it together and it'll be familiar verses to to some of you, it may be brand new to others. Here's the Word of God, it says, how good and pleasant it might be, no, no, it is. Present, it is good and pleasant. So when we live in unity, when God's people live together in unity, the Bible says it is good and it is pleasant. Doesn't it feel good and pleasant when we're all going in the same direction? Because we know that when we are not, it does not feel good and it does not feel pleasant. Anyone ever fall out with anybody? No? Just us in the north. Okay, just us. We're used to falling out with people. Yes. Anyway, verse 2. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. And here's the verse we all love. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. God commands a blessing where there is unity. And you know what? When we gather together, let's just say we're believers in the room. When we gather around the cause of Christ, that is his message, his mission, and his mandate, you know what? We get to become an active part and raise disciples around the world. I just watched a young fella, a small guy here, he had a Lego in one hand and his hand up during the prayer in the other. This hand got tired, he swapped over and put this one up. It was amazing. That's what we want to be a part of. This is what we are doing. Let's do it in unity. Let's do it together. So what I want to do is I want to look at Psalm 133 and I want to spring from that and talk a little bit about harmony and what this united life enjoys, okay? Building on the strength that exists already in your life and in this church so that when we move forward together, we do it together in Jesus' name. So three things I want to leave with you before I go. And the first thing is this, that a united life enjoys contrast without competition. It enjoys contrast. It enjoys it. It celebrates contrast without all the competition. Years ago, a couple of years ago, I was driving back, my family, Judith, the four kids, they were about 14 at the time, and uh, they were, we were driving back from one of our churches, uh, Grace Generation, in Banbridge in County Down, preached their driving home, and that they all love music, because we all love music, but our car has, well, it's got Bluetooth, okay, but you can only connect to one device at a time. They haven't invented multi-tooth, whatever, okay, and it's just as well. So there was a fight in our car to see who would win in order to connect their song. Peter wanted to put on the Foo Fighters. Lucy wanted to put on Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. Charlotte wanted to put on We Three, some We Song by them, a group in America. And uh, Sarah, what does she have? Uh, It's here now. She wanted some R&B with Shawn Mendes. 
I like none of them. Okay, maybe the Foo Fighters. Anyway, so they, they had this row. And I said, okay, you're fighting now. So no one is getting the Bluetooth. Ever do that? If you can't make up your mind, no one's getting it. So I was down to their level by this stage, okay? My mental health was taking a hit. It was just, <laughs> right, I'm trying to drive. Anyway, so there we go. So Sarah, she just puts on her phone and loud, and she blasts Sean Mendes. Peter goes, well, if she's paying her phone, I'm going to pay my phone. And with the Foo Fighters, the best of me, Sean Mendes. Then Lucy, well, if they're all doing it, hee hee, Michael Jackson, he's in Man in the Mirror, giving all of that. And then Charlotte goes, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. She puts hers on. And in the middle of the M1 up to Derry, I had Sean Mendes, I had, I had Michael Jackson, I had the Foo Fighters, I had we three, I had four children, and a wife and a husband, losing their mind. It was a nightmare. It was a disaster. Here's what was happening. Ten minutes ago, it was quiet. Ten minutes later, it was a nightmare. And what had happened, everybody, let me put it in a one line. The symphony of we as a family had given way to the silo of me, of the individuals within our family. They'd gone from us to me and to me first. And it, and it happens. And because they all started to play each other's songs and they started to listen, they couldn't hear their own song. They couldn't hear the song of their sibling. They, they couldn't hear me. You couldn't hear yourself think, da-da-da-da-da. What was happening was that it wasn't important to hear their song. It was now important to play their song. And sometimes in life, we get to the stage when proving our point becomes more important than the point we're trying to prove. And they get sucked into that. They get locked into that. Suddenly there wasn't contrast. There was now competition. This is what was happening. Have you ever got yourself so deeply sucked into a row that by the end of it, you don't know what you were rowing about? If you're married for more than one, two, or three, or four, or five minutes, you will understand what this is. Because you've a point to prove, and you're married, and you're the boss around here. Okay, so you are. Uh -huh. Yeah, and so this is what happens. And then you, you go at it for a bit, and then you sit there and you go, what was this about? I don't know. I don't know either. Because needing to prove your point becomes more important than what you were trying to say in the first place. Yes? This happens. It happens in business. It happens in relationships. It happens in churches. It happens everywhere. But you know what? When this happens in our life, when it happens in our church, when it happens in our relationships, we have to understand that the silo of me needs to give way to the restoration of the symphony of we. We is better than me, okay? It, it just is. And, and here's why. You just cannot ignore the influence of a marriage that's together. My parents are married 52, 53 years. That's, that's a marvel to me. It really is, and that'll be some of your own story as well. You'll have parents and relatives that are married a, a long time, and it's an inspiration to you. But when a, when a family is together, when a church is together, when a movement is together, there's no stopping that group of people. You become an arrowhead in, in the archery of God, and nothing can stop you. Can you imagine the, what, what could come against this church if it remains together? I'm going to tell you, it can come at you all at once, but you're going to cut through it with the sword of the Spirit.
Spirit in Jesus' name. Because we're a church that's together. We're together in Newbridge. We're together in Dublin. And together we'll do more and more than we could ever do on our own. The symphony of we is always better than my little silo of me. Amen. Some of you are in the kids' department phenomenal. 15 staff, whatever it is, amazing. We have 15 volunteers, three staff. It's okay. It's not a word of knowledge. Don't worry. What? Okay. We've got worship going on. We've got the greeters, the guys all there. They're giving it the setup team, the teardown team, the teardown team, the setup team, the teardown team, the setup team, the teardown team, the team that hates the side of this, this flipping hotel. I have a word of knowledge for the teardown team. You will always set up and tear down, just in case... Never mind, get your own building. Forget that. You still got to do it. Amen. And you know what? Sometimes you could think, this is the most important team in the church. Oh, my team is the most, and I'm the most important person in the church. And I need to be, oh, no, you don't. I'm going to encourage you. It's the, it's the symphony of we. You're all the most important team in the church. You've all got a part to play. Some of you are on the keyboard. Some of you are on the strings. Some are banging the door. Some of you are na, 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 na. I'm on the, back to the YouTube, okay? Some of you do all of that, but whatever it is, the part you play It's the symphony of we. We is better, always better than me. Nehemiah knows this. Nehemiah's a dude. He's a dude. He can build a thing, Nehemiah. He can build the walls around a city of Jerusalem in 52 days. I can't read a book in 52 days. Nehemiah is building walls around a city, but he's clever. Look how he does it. In Nehemiah 3, verse 23, he says, Benjamin and Hassab, they made repairs, watch this, in front of their house. Smart. And then next to him, Azariah made repairs beside his house. Because Nehemiah knows that if they build the piece of the wall near where they live, they'll do a great job. They don't want to open their door and look at a messy piece of wall. He gets them to build where they're close. So Nehemiah knows everyone has personal preference. God knows you have personal preference. And all of you have different preferences in the church. Some of you like a different type of song. Some of you like a different type of movie. I'm a Marvel guy. I love all the explosions. I'm waiting for Iron Man to arrive into any film I watch, whether it's Marvel or not. I love all of that. I can't go to the cinema and think. I've been thinking all day. I can't read the deep stuff. I'm, I, I like, okay. And so we have preferences on that, don't we? You have a preference of a biscuit. Who likes ginger nuts? Nobody. Who likes ginger nuts? Okay. No, you do. My wife loves them. She can't have one. She's 20. Do you know what I'm saying to you? I like smothered in chocolate. Don't ginger nut. I got chocolate. That's what we like here. So that's where we are. So we all have preferences. But because she likes ginger nuts and I like chocolate stuff, we can still get on. Yeah. We're not breaking up because of her aversion to ginger, okay, or, or whatever it is. We can stay together because a united life, lo, united life loves contrast without the competition. We can live in contrast without the competition. We can live together with all our preferences and our styles and our you know, choices and all of that, but we don't need to compete because we're all playing on the same instrument, lifting up this harmony to heaven in our lives. Uh, Paul, he writes to the, the church in Corinth, a mess of a church, a mess of a church. And he says, look, in, in chapter 12, verse 12, he goes, look, the body's a unit. Listen, though it's made of many parts. It's still one unit. Then he says the same thing backwards. And he says, although there are many parts, they form one body. What a great verse. It's the same thing twice put together. He's getting the point across. 
Just because you're different parts doesn't mean you're not one body. You're one body with different parts. It doesn't have to be competition just because there's contrast. And then he says, just to make all prophetic about it, he says, actually, did you know God has arranged all of those parts exactly where he wants them? So taking the church, Sean may have asked you, Jill may have asked you, your team leader may have asked you, but I want to encourage you, God has asked you to play the part you play today. Will you play it in three years' time? Who knows? Will it change and develop? Doesn't matter. But wherever you're playing today, whatever part you're playing, on the strings, whether you're singing, whether on the keyboard, doesn't matter what part you play, God has you there. God has you there. God has you there. This house is functioning the way God has it right now. Will God rearrange and change as you grow and develop? Of course He will. But today, today, we're all playing. We're meant to play in Jesus' name. Second thing that a harmonious or united life enjoys is bows without knots. Bows without the knots, okay? Throw the next slide up, okay? I want you to see this little play on words. United versus untied. And the only difference between the word united and the word untied is where you move the eye. The eye. The eye. The eye here is in the center of things, in the middle of things, in the middle of a marriage. In the middle of the workplace, in the middle of the local church, I is at the prayer meetings, I is tithing, I is serving, I is whatever. One day, somebody says something about I's little Johnny, and I gets offended. I didn't make the WhatsApp group, maybe should have, whoever set the WhatsApp group up, okay, but you left I out of it. That laugh tells me this has been part of your world. Okay? I can't get over being left out of the WhatsApp. What have I touched on here? Oh, dear. I can't get over that. Okay? But unless I find a strategy of grace and energy and faith and love, what offense will do what disappointment will do, what hurt will do, will take you out of the center of things and slowly I becomes untied. So when I'm in the center of things, everything's like a gift. It's all wrapped up with this beautiful bow. But when I pull on the bow too hard, it becomes a knot. But it's a knot in here. It's a knot in my spirit that I carry And then in time, slowly, this doesn't happen quickly, this is slow drip, slow, slow. It happens with being annoyed. And then do you know how it begins? Before you make your move to come out of the center of things, you will have a cynical filter over your eyes and you'll see the worst about everything. And now you've got to the place of justifying why you move to the side. But actually, it started all the way here with something that's unresolved in your spirit. Who in the room has ever had an unresolved issue? Isn't it good when it's resolved? Doesn't it feel good, the fresh air of resolution? 
the fresh air of togetherness, how good and pleasant it is, the Bible says, when we live in unity. Please don't put your hands up, but who in the room has an unresolved issue now? You're still in the center of things, but let me give you a word of knowledge that unless you resolve it, whether it's in marriage, relationship, work, church, whatever it is, unless you resolve it, and this is God's word, let me go this far, this is God's word to you today, that if you don't resolve it in time, a cynical view, a filter will filter your eyes and your heart, and it's that viewpoint will cause you to see everything that's wrong about whatever the situation is, and will cause you to take a step, and you will find yourself slowly becoming untied. No, the good news is that it is as easy to go there as it is to go there. It's only one step back. Not incredible. Paul again writing to Corinth, the church there. His first letter. His first letter is about fifteen or sixteen chapters long. This church was in a mess on flames, okay? Who needs that letter? It's like an email that big. And he says this in chapters 11 and, uh, yeah, verse 11 and 12. He says, my brothers, look, Chloe's people are on the phone. And they've informed me. They've told me that you're fighting. You're fighting amongst yourselves. And look what it is you're fighting about. One of you is saying, I follow Paul. Another is saying, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And another, I follow Christ. At least one of them's got it right. And so what is happening here, everybody, is they don't have the New Testament like we have it today. And so they're all fighting about who is the better leader, who's the better preacher. So let's say you come to faith and Peter shared the gospel with you and you came to faith with Peter. You're going to go, I love Peter more. You did with Paul. Well, I love Paul more. I love Paul more. You're doing all of that good stuff. That's what was going on. Anyone have a favorite preacher? Don't, Don't answer that. Okay, but we, we've done this. We, we do this sometimes. Oh, he's on today. Oh, she's on today. Oh, that's my favorite song. That's not my favorite. They never play my favorite song. In Anybody? Not this church. I mean, other churches. Other churches. Ever drive home and go, that was good today, but I didn't like the. Not here. No, I know. I know. The other church, yeah, yeah. We have, we do this stuff. We do. We, we've all do. We've, we've left conferences, I'm sure, and going. Hey, that was good, but whatever. Here's the classic. It's too loud. If we get too loud, it's loud. It's getting loud. It's not getting loud. You're getting old. Okay. Anyway, I can say it. He can't. There we go. In Jesus' name. Okay. And then Paul says, "Look, stop it." And he counters this whole argument of why you're, why you're shouting and why you're fighting with one another in verse 13. And he says, is Christ divided? He says, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Some of you in the 13th, is it the 13th of March, your baptism service? Is that 13th, yeah? Phenomenal. 
baptized into the name of Jesus. Let's get baptized if you haven't been baptized before and that Jesus is your Lord. Let's do that. But Paul is saying, is Christ divided? Well, no, he's not. Is Paul crucified for you? No, he is not. Were you baptized in my name? No, you were not. What's Paul doing? He's drawing them all back to the big picture. It's all about Jesus. It was Jesus who's together for you. It was Jesus who was crucified for you. You were baptized into the name of Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, in your faith, whatever you are, whatever you like and you don't like, get a picture of the big picture. And may it be Jesus. We sang it four or five times today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and fix them there until you're fixed. Fix. Let us fix our eyes on the author of our faith, the finisher of our faith, the writer to the Hebrew says. Then the Greek word for fix is simply glue. Glue them. Evil stick, gorilla glue, whatever you got to do, fix your eyes on Jesus. And when you fix your eyes on Jesus, the things that are turning your united to untied will find their proper perspective. They'll find their proper place. Do they need resolve? They do. But they don't have to take you out in such a way as to push you to the edge of things. You belong in the center of things. You belong in the middle of your marriage. You belong in the middle of your relationships. You belong in the middle of this house, doing and lifting and serving and glorifying. God. That's who you are. This is no time for the edges. This is no time to take sides and have silos. This is the time when we come together. We are united. We play our part. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. If ever the world existed now for an opportunity for the church to arise, this is it. Do not be fooled with the lie that says the church is contracting around the world. Do not be fooled with the lie that there's no room for faith in Ireland. The Irish have not lost their faith. They are looking for a savior they can trust. They are looking for a house they can join. And they are looking for a united house that's full of hope and grace and faith. Could you be the church? Could this be the house? I believe it is in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on. That's what we're all about. This is what it's all. It's time to see a bigger picture. Get a bigger picture of Jesus. Get a, you know, your marriage has got a, a purpose to it. It's on holy ground. Holy matrimony, it's called. Holy matrimony. Anything that's holy is set apart. So when you step into marriage, you step off one thing and into another. You are set apart together as one flesh for a purpose. And sometimes we've got to be reminded that we're just not married for the good stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? But we are married to change the world. Together. We are the bride of Christ. Elevating it up a level. Married to Jesus to change the world. Oh, I'm getting excited. That's what we're here to do. To bring the kingdom. Okay, alright. The final thing is this. And then I'm done. Is that a united life enjoys togetherness without the trauma. Amen. Anyone have enough trauma in their life? We don't need any more. <laughs> My goodness. Togetherness without the trauma. Now, to help me illustrate this point, I'm going to need two volunteers. Thank you very much. You two. 
That's it. Yeah, two volunteers. You come on ahead. That's fantastic. Yes. All right. So I'll take you here, Candice. There. Lovely. And look at that chair. Phil, you go there, horse. That's it. Good man. Matt. Lovely. It's a good looking couple here, aren't they? It's like a rose between two thorns. You all right? You all right? Stay there. Hold on a minute. Don't go anywhere. That's your hammer. Easy. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I don't mean that. Okay. Nah. That's your plate. Happy wedding. Okay. I'm going to do that. I'm going to cover it with my magic tea towel or whatever this is from the house. Because I know what happens. Okay. We're going to do a thing with plates. This is called hold the plate. All right. Now, what I want you to do. How's your shoulders? Are they feeling good? You at the gym this morning? <laughs> yeah, you're going to love this then. <laughs> you're going to regret that in a second. So you're going to hold this plate like that, lock your elbows, and then up, and don't move. Okay, it's only 45 minutes this lasts. Okay, so up you go. Don't mess about. How are you doing now? <laughs> Sore already? <laughs> we'll just stand here. It's going to start shaking. That's okay. Keep going. Okay. Now, you have the hammer. Do you know what a hammer is? Have you used a hammer before? I haven't. You have? No. <laughs> no. Okay. See, I'm only asking, so I don't know what a hammer's for either, to be honest. Hitting stuff, apparently. According to YouTube, I have no clue. Okay, so you're good there? Mm -hmm. or yeah, don't, good. don't drop it now. If you can begin to see the people, that you've dropped it, okay? So that's... Now, what I want you to do is take the hammer. There's your plate, okay? And I want you to hit the, hit the plate with the hammer. As far as I can. Or just... Just, would you, you just hit the plate. Beautiful. Now... What did you all tell, hear me tell him? Hit the plate. It sounds like he... That's my grandmother's Royal Albert. I don't know. That's her, that's her stuff there. Easy now, don't you be. How are the shoulders anyway? Are they okay? Keep going. Now, it sounds like he's broken the plate, but this is magic, so we'll check if he's broke the plate. Will we check? You ready to check? Oh, no. It's definitely broken. Okay, look at that. He's broke that in this. Look at that. Now, I told you, okay, to hit the plate. But no, no. Mr. Hammer, I know what a hammer's for. Okay, you go and break the plate. So what I need you to do now is to say sorry to the plate. It's pathetic. What are you doing there? Because oh, that's sore. Is that hard? Oh, okay. What I need you to do is to say sorry to the plate like you mean it. I, I did. I did no, I, did, did you feel he meant that? I wasn't feeling that. Were you feeling that? Mm, I so I wanted to get down, yes, and say sorry to the plate. Don't bring it back to life. It's gone. You can't lay hands on it. Flipping church. You church people. I'd lay hands on it. No, say sorry. I'm sorry. That's better. That's a good. No. He's owned it. He said sorry about it. Now, because you've said sorry, is the plate back together again? It's definitely not. Now, with a little bit of glue, easy, okay, and a little bit of whatever, we could bring that plate together. We could glue that together, I think. You've owned it. You've apologized to it. You've said sorry to it, and we could bring that together. But the truth is, because you hit that plate, and even though we can get it back together in a way, it'll never be quite the same as it was. Now, here we have this plate, okay? Look at this plate here. Fit for purpose, sound as a bell. 
Now, I want to ask you a question. Which is easier? Is it easier to hit the plate or to hold the plate? But which is better? Why? Because it's sound and remains fit for purpose. Amen. Okay, you may go. Thank you very much. Here is, here's the point I'm trying to make. It's easier to be critical. It's easier to take a swipe. It's easier to let loose. It's easier to get angry and overflow. It's easier to kick the dog, to smack the cat. It's easier to do whatever. I have a dog. I don't kick it. I love my wee doggy, Arthur, by the way. It's just easier sometimes. I'll just throw that in there for the dog lovers of which there are bound to be many. Okay? It's just easier. There are seasons in our relationships, in our lives, in our churches, when it's easier to pile on, to take a hammer and hit it and hit it and hit it. And when we hit it, we break it. And so even though this is harder, it's better. There are times in all of our relationships, again in our, in our church, whatever it is, that we need to hold the plate. We need to hold our tongue. We need to hold our faith. We need to hold the promises of God. We need to hold our vows. We need to hold the vision of the church. The bidets, you want to hit the plate. There'll be days in all of our lives when we want it, the hammer's in the hand. The mouth is loaded, the heart is, is bitter, it's angry, it's, it's tired, it's disappointed, it's, it's all of those things. And you want to you hit at the object of your frustration. It's in those moments I want, and I pray the Holy Spirit brings you to this moment, brings you to this day when you want to hold it. It's like, no, no. I'm going to hammer down. I'm going to hold the plate. I'm going to hold my marriage. I'm going to hold my children. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on to my church. I'm going to hold on to the vision. I'm going to hold on to the promises of God that He's given me for my life. Amen? So I don't know who's in the room today. I don't know who and what, you, what you're going through, what you are about to walk away from, what you are about to, the untied to the united, that, that move of the eye. I don't know what, what you're loaded to, to hit today. I don't know if you've become possessive about your role and it's the symphony versus the silo and it's all about the silo of me today. I, I, wanna, I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who God is, is, is moving to today. But there's an opportunity by faith and by courage because it takes work. It takes work to hold it. It's sore on the shoulders. It's sore on the heart. It's sore on your pride and it's sore on your ego. Sometimes you want the last word. Sometimes you deserve the last word. Sometimes even the sense of betrayal and you want to walk away. The shoulders are hurting. The heart is breaking. And God says, So when we hold it rather than hit it, it stays true to the purpose for which he's made it. So come on, come on. Why don't we stand? I want to pray over you. I want to stand. Why don't we pray? Jesus. And the worship guys can go back up when they're ready and 
Father, we love you today. Give you praise today, Lord. Lord, we're really quick to acknowledge this morning, today, Lord Jesus, that we are, we are building on health. We're preaching on health today. We're, we're talking about this today because this is, this is who we are. Unity is not an aspiration here. It's, it's a reality here. But we talk about it, Lord, so we can build and we can remain strong and stay strong for all the things that you have in our hearts as a church. But this word it translates and transcends every relationship that we're part of. When it becomes so easy, when actually we're the victim, when we have been the one that's had the wrath, that's been the betrayed, when we're the one that is that we're suffering innocently, even when we're the one that could it just um, righteously and, and, and before the, 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 the world's eyes, Lord, we could we could walk away. And yet today, Lord, you're saying, hold the plate. Let's not be so quick. But Lord, we want to remain at the center of things, center of your will. We want to remain the center of your plan, your purpose for our lives. We want to remain the center of our relationships and our marriages. The center of our life with our kids. And God, if we need to take a step in and a step back towards that, I pray today this is the the day we find the faith and the courage and, and the humility, God, to do that. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone who has walked away. I pray for anyone who used to be at the center of a relationship and now finds himself on the edges whether they walked there or whether they were put there. I want to pray, God, you see them. And I pray, God, with you in time by faith, that, Lord, they would return to the center of things, the center of you, beginning with that step, the center of faith, that we come back to the center of hope, the center of the cross, the center of an empty tomb. And from that place of being in the middle of you, Lord, I pray that they become into the center of life and the center of their relationships once more. But I pray, Lord God, today that we'll all learn once again what it is to hold the plate. It's harder, but it's better. And so, God, as I close, I just want to pray a blessing over this this house, this community, this little colony of heaven. And all that you've placed on its heart to do, all the constituent parts, all the component, different parts doing a different thing, but all committed to playing on the one instrument and deeply committed to going in the one direction. And so, Father, we just pray, Lord, your favor and your anointing, your provision over this house and everyone in it. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.